I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, I'm Sandy Toxvig, and this is We Will Get Past This, where I welcome you into my calm room of books so I can share tales from history of various deeds. Some brave, some baffling, others downright idiotic, in a bid to comfort the soul in this challenging time we find ourselves in. Some of these were recorded with specific dates in mind, but as we've all come to realise, none of that kind of thing really matters. My diary's wide open. There are no rules about when something can be enjoyed, so take a moment to relax and remember this. We will get past this. Hello there, come on in. It's Fashion Revolution Day. Hurrah! And I've been knitting, and it's related. Normally, when I make television, I have someone marvellous who selects everything I wear. I mean, even the socks. Right now, you can see the result when I choose for myself. I am bringing back the plaid shirt. My wife is shaking her head. It is my own personal fashion revolution, although I have to tell you that is not what Fashion Revolution Day is for. Today is the day we are supposed to ask ourselves, who made my clothes? And I suspect it's not something a lot of people think about. I often look back centuries in history, but sometimes the more recent past speaks to us. It was today in 2013 that a truly terrible thing happened. A garment factory in Dakar in Bangladesh collapsed. An eight-storey building called the Rana Plaza suffered complete structural failure. It was horrendous. Uh, more than 1,100 people died and about 2,500 were injured. Now, there had been garment factory disasters before, but this was the deadliest in history. So the Rana Plaza was a multi-purpose building. It had shops and a bank, apartments and clothing factories making garments for brands that we all know well. Benetton, Prada, Gucci, Versace, Mango, Matalan, Primark and others. It seems that the upper floors had been built without permission and the structure was not strong enough to withstand the weight and vibration of heavy machines. The day before the collapse, cracks had been discovered in the building. The bank and the shops were evacuated, but the workers in the garment factories were told by their managers to carry on. Some, I'm afraid, were even threatened with losing a month's pay if they didn't show up. They went back and the building collapsed during the morning rush hour. More than half of the victims were women, and some of their kids were lost too in the in-house nursery facilities. So there's no question part of the blame lay with what's called the fast fashion industry, which supplies low-cost clothing with minimal oversight over the conditions in which it's made. Corporate accountability as well as greater transparency in the fashion supply chain was urgently needed. So, 
In response to the disaster, two women within the industry, Carrie Summers and Ursula de Castro, set up Fashion Revolution to campaign for systemic reform. It's a not-for-profit global movement with teams in over 100 countries around the world, and their aim is to change the way in which clothes are sourced, produced, and finally purchased by us. And it made me think that not just today, but every day as I reach for that t-shirt or sweatshirt or plaid shirt, I ought to stop and ask the question, who made my clothes? Uh, nobody needs to be in a hurry at the moment, so there is no excuse for not checking it out and having a think. I mean, for too long, the exploitation of grossly underpaid garment workers in developing countries, most of whom are female, has been overlooked in favour of cheap high street brands being readily available. Because they're cheap, many in the West treat such fashion as disposable. We buy more than we need. Our cupboards are often too full to close. The press are shocked when a celebrity wears the same outfit twice. And the amount of textile waste is staggering, as is the environmental impact. So a simple cotton t-shirt needs vast amounts of water, pesticides, insecticides just to come into being. Leather causes massive environmental destruction, with the tanning process needing toxic chemicals which harm workers' health and pollute waterways. So, what can we do? Well, we can be less worried that someone has seen our outfit before, but mainly uh, we can all inquire about a favourite brand's policy on where they get their stuff, how do they treat their suppliers, their workers, and so on. I think we could all do with being curious about where our clothes come from. I mean, surely we've got time now. My top tip is to go back to what the Icelandic people call the grandmother crafts. When I have time, which oddly I do at the moment, I knit and weave and embroider. I sew clothes, all of which seems like a good plan at this time. When Iceland, the country, not the fast food place, had what's known as the terrible ash and cash crisis, a banking collapse in 2008, followed by the eruption of the Eyjafjallajökull volcano, the small country was in terrible trouble. The currency collapsed, interest rates and inflation soared, and there was debt and unemployment at record levels. Cut off from the world when air travel closed down due to the volcanic ash, many turned to creativity as an answer. Even young people realised they couldn't sit on Facebook all day and began to pick up the odd knitting or sewing needle to express themselves. It's not something new. It is often accepted that it was today, in 1479 BC, so more than three and a half thousand years ago, that Thutmus III ascended to the throne of Egypt. Now, he was only two at the time, and toddlers making the poor leaders that they do, his aunt and stepmother, it's the same person, it's ancient Egypt, family trees are complicated, his aunt and stepmother, Hatshepsut, was named Pharaoh. Now, Thutmus would grow up to create the largest empire Egypt had ever seen, but until then, Hatshepsut was in charge. She was hugely successful, and it's possible she may even be the very first great woman in history about whom we know any detail at all. She established trade routes, which brought immense wealth, commissioned hundreds of building projects, and she didn't neglect the arts. There is statuary from her reign in pretty much every major museum in the world. At the Temple of Karnak, the tallest surviving ancient obelisk on Earth, created under her edict, still stands covered in exquisitely carved hieroglyphs. Her masterpiece was the Temple of Hatshepsut at Thebes, which is richly decorated and where you can still find scenes of that very obelisk being transported down the Nile by barge. Hatshepsut's name means foremost of noble ladies. And she was. She ruled for two decades in a time of peace and prosperity. The question I have is, did she knit? Well, maybe. Uh, probably, I think. 
Archaeologists are pretty certain that the Egyptians invented knitting. Certainly the oldest knitted artefact in the world is a pair of socks from Egypt. You don't think of them needing socks, do you? Not with sandals. Uh, these socks date from over a thousand years ago, which is a bit late for Hatshepsut, but the complexity of the knitting suggests the craft is much older than the archaeological record can prove. I don't see why the female pharaoh wouldn't have knitted. Everybody has the odd afternoon off, even people getting obelisks erected. There are plenty of paintings which show the Virgin Mary knitting, such as one called Our Lady Knitting, which does what it says on the tin. It depicts Our Lady Knitting and was painted by Tommaso de Modena around the mid-1300s. In times of trouble, these ancient crafts have come back to the fore. When Mary, Queen of Scots, was locked up by her cousin, she did some marvellous embroideries, which are now in the Victoria and Albert Museum. During World War I, it was commonplace for everybody, men, women, children, to knit clothing and accessories to help the war effort, creating socks, hats, scarves, sweaters, balaclavas for the troops. The public were also told to make, do and mend, going so far as to unpick old sweaters to make new ones. Now, my wonderful technical part department, by which I mean my wife Debbie, pointed out the other day that we had been making hours of broadcast material without any help at all, so I unwound some old wool and knitted an assistant. These old skills are good for you. Knitting helps relieve stress, there is a meditative focus to the task. As you count your stitches and follow a pattern, for a brief moment, world problems recede. We also know that repetitive movement helps release serotonin, which makes us feel calmer, which, hurrah, lowers the blood pressure. Somebody asked me the other day how I was doing in isolation. Well, I replied, expressing my general concern for the world's well-being, but that for myself, well, I'm Scandinavian. This is like one long, dark winter where I busy myself with ancient skills. I just made a shirt out of two old ones, which both had begun to look in need of refreshing. And I think I'll go through my wardrobe and see what else might be fun to combine. While I'm at it, I will check to see who made my clothes in the first place. What happened at Rana Plaza should give us all pause, but there is also hope in it. Hope that things might change, but also in the story itself. On the 10th of May that year, 17 days after the collapse of the building, a woman named Reshma was found and rescued alive from the rubble. She was almost unhurt, a symbol of humanity's survival against the odds. Oh, final note for today. It was on this day in 1800 that President John Adams signed legislation providing $5,000 to purchase such books as may be necessary to found the US Library of Congress. I was just wondering if one of us should write to tell the current president that they are freely available. Take care. Be kind. Remember, we will get past this. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.